Hello to all of you out there. I am Ulrike Seminati, host of the podcast, Empowering Female Leaders, for women who want to thrive. Every week you will get new perspectives, exciting insights, and empowering messages of women from all over the globe. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Empowering Female Leaders. I am pleased to welcome today Claudia Miller, who is a sought-after career coach, and she's helped her clients land fulfilling jobs in less than 90 days, all while getting on average a 54% in salary increases. She also partners with companies and organizations in identifying rising stars within their organizations and providing strategic insights and support in developing a leadership and talent pipeline with a focus on women. Due to her efforts, she's worked with top Fortune 500 clients, and she's been featured multiple times in Forbes, MSNBC, and Thrive Global. Business Insider put her in their top global list of top innovative career coaches. I'm very proud and very pleased to have you here today, Claudia. Do you want to add a few words about yourself? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited, especially about the conversation around sound negotiation, which I always think is a very juicy topic to talk about. And there's so much to go in there. But yeah, I think you got to do a really great recap. And, you know, since COVID, my clients have been able to get jobs within 90 days or less. And to that point, it also has been that 54% increase where some of my clients have gotten anywhere between 30 and even up to $140,000 in additional earned income. What I've seen on your website is that you say that you help serious professionals secure dream jobs with dream salaries at their dream companies. So that sounds really, really big. Where do you start? <laughs> so I always like to start with understanding what is it that you want or what do my clients want and also understanding what they don't want because knowing the difference can really make a big impact on whether you end up at a very fulfilling job or not. Because the last thing I want is, you know, my clients to say, well, I know I just hate my job. So I think this will be a really cool job. I've heard really great things about it. Then they start the job realizing that everything they hate about their previous jobs is also being used in this new job. So it's really understanding on what skill sets do you thrive in? What type of work do you enjoy? And what kind of a lifestyle do you want along with that for that job? So if you want that remote job, making a certain amount of salary, a specific number of income, well, then let's, let's only focus on those jobs that hit those targets that we're going after and we ignore everything else. And that way, my clients will get overwhelmed by all the job postings they see or the referrals they get from certain jobs because they're already laser focused. And if that's all we focus on, that's all we get. And that's why when my clients tend to set up a salary or income goal, they always hit it because they don't look at anything that's below that. I think what you said is very important because it needs courage to say, I focus on something very narrow, very specific, because I know I want that. And I have the courage to skip the other opportunities, even if potentially these other opportunities could provide me with some financial safety, for example. Do you see that this is difficult to make that choice for your clients? It is. Um, and I actually, I used to do it before I became a career coach and I seen it coming across. And a good example is, let's just say you're currently a data analyst. 
but you want to become like a senior data analyst or maybe a manager for data analyst. But yet you see the job posting and then you're like, well, maybe I'm not ready yet. So let me look at other data analyst jobs. This is also common for some of my clients that I used to work with that were in admin work. They wanted to get out of admin work, but they kept applying to admin jobs. And they're wondering, why do I keep only getting offers or low offers for admin jobs? And when we look at their actions is, or their strategies, well, that's all you apply to. Of course, it's all the interviews. So that's one of the things that I focus on. And even, you know, for some of those clients that are looking to hit to that six-figure job and they're currently making 50000 well, let's not focus on the other $50,000 jobs. Instead, let's focus on the $75,000 job. And once you get there, let's focus on the jobs that pay $100,000. And from then on, understanding what work will you be able to thrive in, enjoy, and what kind of lifestyle do you want around that job? And that way, then we'll find the companies that will fit and check off all those boxes. And we know they're financially healthy, especially during these times where we've heard a lot of companies do layoffs doing hiring freezes. So making sure you're going to a right company that's financially stable, that you won't be you know, part of that layoff process in the next few months after starting your new job. Do you see women often underestimating their value and shying away from bigger opportunities because they have a high level of self-criticism? Definitely. And there's many reasons. Um, definitely, they feel and it could be various situations where I've had clients where they've been passed up for promotions or they were promised a promotion and they're being dangled that carrot. Hey, if you do this job without the title, the pay increase, you know, once you have experience around it, then we'll give you the title and the increase. And I've had some clients do that job for two years before they even see the title and the salary increase. And then they feel like, well, I haven't had the title. Therefore, I can't apply to jobs, even though I've been doing all the work around it. I'm not ready yet. So now I'm going to have to go to get a lateral job, pay my dues, and then hoping that I get that manager job instead of just going directly and applying to those manager jobs. So it's always this concept of, I don't have enough experience. I need to pay my dues. Maybe I need to go back to school. Maybe I need to get more certification. Maybe I just need more years under my belt. And so on and so forth, where they delay the career advancement because they stagnate themselves. And of course, when you get passed up for promotion so many times, there is an impact towards confidence. And some of my clients would say, well, I don't even want to bother anymore going after that director job because I've already been passed up. Maybe I am not ready. Maybe I don't want that type of job, but I know that I'm not happy in my current company. So let me just look at a lateral move at a different company and hoping I can get a $10,000 salary increase or something around there. Yeah, I see that often as well. It's a typical thing that women do that we are searching for excuses why we are not ready yet. And there's always something, always. I mean, depending on the level of perfectionism, we will always find something and never, ever be ready for the big leap or for this dream job, like you said in the beginning, that people would love to achieve, but they don't because they hold themselves back. I like the word, like you said, it's stagnate themselves. That is exactly what women are doing. And this is why I call this podcast Empowering Female Leaders, because it's about empowering women themselves to make the steps. Because I see more often that women hold themselves back or are their own obstacle than the true obstacles which they face in the professional life, which are there, but they only can exist and have so much power on them because they accept these obstacles to be around. Like you say, if you were passed on because promotions just go to other people all the time, then you can very easily slip into the position of being the victim and saying, oh, it's not for me, or even worse, 
criticizing yourself and being not good enough. I need another qualification. I need two years more of experience or whatever. And you never make that step until you step out into a different environment where suddenly you see, wow, it's different here. Why <laughs> haven't I done that earlier? <laughs> yeah. Big model that I mentioned, or I tell my clients is if they don't promote you, promote yourself. Just because they don't promote you within the company doesn't mean you're not ready for that promotion or that you shouldn't be getting that promotion. If it's not internally, well, let's start looking externally. But at the end of the day, knowing how long you should stay in that job and when you're ready for the next step is really important. And that's one of the things that I focus with uh, when I work with clients with career coaching is let's create that career map that's customized for you. So that way we know exactly what your next job needs to be, how long you need to be there, how much you need to get paid, what skills you need to acquire to make you ready for that next step. And you really start propelling your career versus realizing, well, I hate my job. Maybe I should start job searching and then finding out that you should have been promoted two, three years ago. Yeah, exactly. Promotion usually comes along with a salary increase. And salary increase is one of the things that especially women ask the least throughout the year. I know from my own clients and from many other coaches I spoke to is that really this is the thing. It's so rare that a woman pops into the, the, the office of an HR head asking proactively and out of the blue, kind of, for a salary increase because she considers that she's worth it, that she deserves it, that maybe her scope of work has changed and all of that. What do you tell women who say, yes, I know that I'm underpaid. I know that I do much more work than one or two years ago and my salary has not followed, but I don't want to ask for various reasons. What do you tell them what they can do to overcome this inner threshold? First is to really understand what is their mindset and myths around salary negotiation. Because when you look at it from the HR perspective, it's part of the process. Most employers expect you to negotiate. So they don't necessarily always go on the upper end of that salary range to go into the low or middle in anticipation that you're going to negotiate and there's still room within that budget. So it is just part of the process. Just like you have to sign the offer letter, review, fill out that, you know, W-2 and all that information, it is just part of the process and they expect it. So really is understanding why do why are you scared of negotiating your salary? And the biggest fear that I've seen is people are afraid that people are going to pull back their offer. If I negotiate, they're going to pull back the offer. Or maybe I should just be grateful that I have a job. I've heard so many people get laid off. I'm just lucky to be offered this job. And that's very different because in actuality is Clearly, they see something of value for you to bring you in and pay a salary. So there's a value you bring into the organization. And then the other thing around it, too, is more companies, more likely, they're not going to pull back a job offer. Now, if, I'm not saying it's impossible or that it won't happen. If a company does pull back a job offer because you do negotiate your salary, that is a red flag to run away as fast as possible from that company. Because what's going to happen when you go ask for PTO? What's going to ha happen if you ask for, God forbid, FMLA if something were to happen? What's going to happen? Are you going to be threatened always to be fired at that point? And that's just not a very good toxic work environment that you're currently working in. So that should be also a good test. You want to negotiate your salary because if they give you a lot of pullback or they pull back the offer, then that's a good test to say this company is not even healthy for me. Now, I'm not trying to trade one toxic workplace for another. <laughs> it's actually understanding that when your salary negotiation is not going well, that it's not you who's wrong. <laughs> because we tend to push it on ourselves and to say, again, oh, not good enough and I have to increase my qualifications and my competencies. Do you see if it's about 
a big fear of rejection as such that comes into play? Yeah. It comes to fear of rejection, not knowing how to negotiate, not practicing, not having that confidence to be able to do it well, uh, not even understanding how much they should be paid or asking for. There's a lot of components that go around it. And one, I was reading a study from Payscale that they did, and it was around 70% of people that ask for the raise get the raise. So we know that at least data's on our side. And I've had some clients where they had a situation where they're like, we can't right now give you that salary but let's work something out. And then usually, you know, there's some different strategies you can do and my clients eventually get that salary, but we also get it in writing. But some companies will be very transparent. You know, I'm sorry, there's, we really tried our best. I try to go back for you or we try to look at funds from another department or another, you know, fund to see if we can increase that salary, but this is the maximum we can offer you. And before you even have to go into these conversations, you should know what your bottom line number is. If they don't reach this bottom line, I'm not taking it. You need to have that in place already because if you're trying to decide afterwards, then it becomes like, well, I, maybe I should be, I'm asking for too much. So when you have that strategy in, you can say, thank you, but I respectfully decline the offer. I'm really looking for the salary based on what, you know, my skill sets are and based on what you're looking for and the responsibilities around it. Thank you so much for your time. Hmm. And then that's it. And going afterwards and having a lot of opportunities out there as well. But of course, you know, what tends to happen is one of the things that I make sure that my clients are doing is constantly interviewing and reaching out to companies. So when this company doesn't give you the offer you want, you're still interviewed with four or five other companies. And sometimes they do ask for that salary range. So I make sure that they know what salary range to ask for. And even their lower end of that number, they will still be more than happy to get that range. So that way we know what that number is. And we're never asking for a number that we're never going to be satisfied. So if we know this job pays between 100 and 150 and you want at least 130, my clients are not going to be saying, well, my range is between 100,000 and 150 because I know they're not going to be happy with $100,000. So understanding that is really important, but how do you leverage and get to that point is really about value and how well you interview and get a lot of that insight information. So for example, if you were to be interviewing externally, you can say, what are the benefits of interviewing and hiring someone externally versus internally? And then you can use that to say, well, based on what you mentioned, you're looking for an external candidate to fill in this position because of X, Y, and Z, and I can exactly do that. So you're almost helping, you're having them help you build a business case on why they need to hire you. But that's all about asking the right questions. When you have that ammo or that information, it becomes leverage. Now they're understanding in their own words why they need to hire you, why you're worth that amount. And usually, naturally, my clients already get that big salary increase. So, for example, I had a client that was making ninety thousand. They told her they were going to pay up to one forty. So they went in, and then they actually offered her one hundred and fifty thousand, way above. We still negotiated and added additional items. Now they didn't know that she just made a sixty thousand dollars salary increase. So. We knew that she already had that increase, but we still needed to negotiate because one, we wanted to test out, is this company a good company and a healthy company? And two, we want to show our value and she wanted to get a $10,000 certification. And not only if the company were to pay for it, that 
does it come out of her pocket, but also it puts her as a top performing employee where she becomes more valuable. So it's like a win-win scenario for both parties. And that's really, again, it comes with research preparation, knowing what to ask, how much to ask, and what leverage do you have in that conversation? You said early on in this answer that the employer pronounces why she's important to the organization and not the opposite way around. Usually we try in an interview to convince the others about ourselves, whereas we should rather ask them some questions so that they tell us why we are really interesting for them. Because psychologically, that's a completely different setup. So suddenly the demanding party is on the other side. So we just switch the roles in a certain way. And that is a really, really good trick. Are you training people on doing that? So, I mean, like my clients are asking specific questions and it's really for them to really gather that insight to help us build that business case towards the end and why we're the best candidate for the role. So that's like example, just one question that you can ask. And when it comes to really about understanding the mindset around it, a great analogy I like to use is like house buying. So let's just say you bought a house for 100000 and I'm making these just easy numbers because at least here in the U.S., it's hard to get the housing prices that are definitely soar. But let's just say a few years ago, you bought a house for $100,000. You now want to sell it. And right now, as a buyer, I'm willing to offer you $300,000 for that home. Are you going to say, Claudia, I can't sell it to you for $300,000. I only paid $100,000. Let me sell it to you for $120,000. Does that sound fair? And... Up to this day, I don't know anyone that would deny $300,000 and offer instead $120,000 to sell to their house. So you're going to say, Claudia, yes, I'll sell my house for, to you for $300,000. And by the way, you got a great deal and there were over 50 bidders for this house. Congratulations. But that's usually how we want to think about salary. Just because you make this amount of money, don't just add another $10,000, $15,000 because you think that's what you deserve. I tell my clients, you charge what the market is paying. If it tends to be double your salary, then that's what we're asking for. We are not the ones deciding it. The market is. So think about it. So one of the things I've seen is, again, with the number, let's just say you're making $100,000. Usually people would say, well, my next job, maybe I want to make $110. It would be nice to make $115. Instead, it should be, well, for this job, the job pays $150,000 between $150,000 175 I feel comfortable within the $160,000 to $170,000 or so. I'm comfortable and happy with that. That's what I'm going to be charging because that's what the market rate is paid. That is it. I don't focus my current salary does not influence my next salary. What I see very often is that mentally women has an inner glass ceiling when it comes to their current salary. And from a certain amount onwards, they feel really guilty about having that much money or earning that money. Even if they want it, let's say they want the 150. But mentally, they feel already guilty with 90,000, whereas today they have 100. So then even negotiating 110, for example, is quite difficult because subconsciously they think they do not deserve it. And even if they prepare all the best arguments in the world for their salary negotiation, they will come across not very convincing because their body language and their micromimics mm -hmm. will betray them because they tell the inner truth, which is, I only deserve 90,000 and not 150 or 10 or whatever they want to negotiate. How do you tackle these issues? Because they're not so easy to overcome. Yeah. So one thing I help them identify how much they've been underpaid. So a lot of my clients are very ambitious and very driven. So they're usually looking to move to the next step in their career. 
So first I address and we'll say, you know, Ulrike, right now, you're being underpaid $50,000. You could be doing the same job. You should be getting paid $50,000. So you're losing $50,000 every single year and the past few years for the same role you're doing. There's someone next to you, probably your you know, coworker is making $50,000 more than you. People care more about what they lose, not much how much they're going to gain. Losing is a lot harder for us than to say, you could be making an extra $50,000. Okay. If I tell you you're losing $50,000, you're like, well, okay, that's a little bit more painful. So helping them understand how much they're losing just at their current spot. Now, the next step is going to include another salary increase. Well, I would say in order for you to get to the level where you needed to be, and you should have been already the past at least two, three years ago, it's going to be an additional 30. So that means almost an $80,000 salary increase. Now, that's still very shocking. And I already know that. So I have them do research. They don't have to just rely on me or maybe a Google search that they can do. I have them reach out to people and have those experts tell them what their salary range is and what you know, should be included in the total compensation, not just salary. And they hear it over and over again. But also I have them ask, what are their responsibilities look like? Because especially women, they think, well, if I'm making double my salary, it means I'm doing double the work. And that's not necessarily true. So when they hear from an industry expert to help them understand, no, this is a true salary range and your shift in responsibilities is going to be shifting from this to this. It tends to be more strategic as you go up. Now they have an understanding that just because I doubled my income doesn't mean I need to do more work or it doesn't mean that I'm going to set myself up for failure. Maybe I'm not ready for that yet. I need more years of experience. So really having them do that work from, and hearing it over and over again from industry experts and helping them unveil all these misconceptions that they've been having, all of a sudden they come to me and saying, and of course I work with their confidence. They're like, Claudia, I, I've never felt so confident. Thank you so much. I can't believe I doubled my income. I love seeing my paycheck and I was able to pay for a fees in that first paycheck. One client even told me that she had to call HR to make sure that the number was correct because the salary was too high for her that she's ever seen. And it was correct. And all because, again, you have to set up yourself for success and understanding where the challenges are. And I would say primarily it happens with your mindset when it comes to salary negotiation. We all have a very specific relationship with money. And when it comes to salary, it comes into play, obviously. I work a lot on that as well because I see that so many people have very limiting beliefs about money, about what they could earn, what they should earn. Like you said, also the belief that I have to work twice more if I earn the double salary, which is obviously not true because mathematically, even it doesn't it doesn't work at a certain extent. It's just, I mean, if it's eight times more, what do you do then? So you can earn a lot of money depending on the positions which you get. And it's all about the mindset. So that brings me a bit more to the question of how do you prepare this? Imagining that the person is already in the situation where she knows, okay, I deserve a higher salary. I have very clearly in mind what I want to get. What is the preparation? On the one hand, the mindset, like you say, to accept what you really want to ask for. But then also, how do you prepare this? How do you approach your HR manager, your line manager? Is there a specific timing that is maybe good? What are all these organizational things around that that people should consider? So there are two strategies. One is for if it's internally, you're asking, you're getting a promotion. And the second strategy is if it's externally and it's a job offer at a different company. I'll start with the job at a different company because that tends to be a little bit easier. For that is you need to prepare before you even start your job search. So what tends to happen is 
People apply to jobs and they don't prepare for the interview up until they have scheduled an interview. Oh, I have an interview this Friday. Let me start working on it now. Versus my clients, I have them prep and work on their resume, cover letter, LinkedIn profile, list of achievements, and do research on companies to make sure that they're financially stable and they'll be able to thrive. And right now, if it's recession-proof, if they get the green light, then they go and apply. But also, they prepare for interviews beforehand, before they have a scheduled interview. And ideally, I like to have them prepare for at least one or two weeks. So... By the time that they do get this interview that we've already researched, they've already prepared for the interview and maybe we have three days to interview, that's more than enough time for them to be able to prep. It's hard for other people that are competing against my clients to be up against them because they might only be prepared for three days versus my clients having prepared for about two to three weeks. It's hard to outbeat them at that point. And really when it comes to sound negotiation, it's all about value. You need to show that you're bringing a value around it and there's an ROI for the company. If you're bringing $50,000 worth of value, they're not going to pay you $50,000. They'll probably pay you $20,000, and then you know they still are able to reap some of that for the revenue base. So it's really understanding the value around it. And if you're applying to a job, how do I know that value? Well, then that's where you need to figure it out. And it's through the interview questions. I even have my clients review companies' earnings call if they're a public company. Review what is important to them. How have they been performing? What are some of the pain points and challenges? What are they promising to the investors or what are they saying or projecting that they're going to be able to do? How are they going to get there? That information is going to be very helpful for when it comes to the interview because we need to show them that we bring a lot of value to the organization and we know their pain points and we know how to solve them or be able to create a path to a solution. So instead of asking, you know, what is culture like at this company? It could be, by the way, I noticed that you're releasing a new product with this new partnership at this company, focusing on the specific customer segmentation. Currently, what are some of the strategies that you have in order to achieve this customer segmentation for this route to market for the specific product? And you can be talking almost more of a consultative manner. And I think that's really great. I worked on this at my previous company when we tried this customer segmentation. One of the things that we found very helpful and successful when it came to the launch of this new product was X, Y, and Z. All of a sudden, you understand what they're going through. You've actually opened up maybe some other scenarios that they didn't even have a thought about. You open up that wound per se, and you can say, well, it seems like Claudia's is the only one that even brought this up. She even addressed some issues we hadn't even thought about. And she's already done this before or has a route on how to get there. That's the person I want to hire. No one even came close. Everyone else was asking about how does my typical day look like? What does culture look like at this company versus this candidate was talking about strategy, solutions, and some of the challenges we may come across during this product launch. Very different. And again, you need preparation for that. Two, three days is just not going to be enough. And I have mock interview sessions with my clients too, so that way they're coming across as confident. I help them rephrase those answers so that way uh, they're positioning themselves at the level they need to be because how you interview as a manager is very different how you interview as a director. Yeah, it's about stepping into their shoes to really see what are they interested in, what's in it for them, not for me and why I'm so good and what I, what all I have done. Because many people just come in and they try to sell their CV as such without customizing it to the company that they have in front of them, be it internally or be it externally in a new company of a potential new employer. It's very important just to make that step and to 
say to yourself, hey, I er can earn more, I deserve more, I'm good enough, and I go for something else now, and I have the courage to do that without waiting for something else to happen so that I get ready, because everybody's ready now. If we decide to be ready, we are ready. So it's as simple as that, basically. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much for all of these insights. You also have a gift for our audience, which is called your $10,000 word-for-word salary negotiation script. That sounds like a wonderful tool just to use before you have a negotiation. <laughs> is that right? Yes, this is intended more of like if you're interviewing yes. and they're extending a job offer, how do you ask for a salary increase during that conversation and what to say in case they come up with a rebuttal. So this is ex the exact script that I share with my clients and I have been practice it over and over again. And sometimes we practice it one-on-one. -on -one. So I recommend that if you're job searching, definitely dial it. It's free and at least can get you around $10,000. That's the least amount I've seen a client get with that script. Um, not even any of the other preparation. This is just during the conversation. Read it word for word, practice it. So when the time comes, you recite it and trust me, it will get you at least $10,000. Yeah, thank you very much, Claudia. And we'll obviously put the link into our show notes. So I thank you for this great conversation and for all the insights that you shared. And I wish you a great new year because you will be probably my first podcast episode of 2023. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having me. And of course, to your listeners, whatever insights and strategies you found most helpful. You can leave a review on the podcast to let us know because it's always important for us to know what strategies, what advice really kind of helped you and you know, helps us really better understand or even what to focus on more for next time. Thank you very much. Do you want to get free access to my ebook Top 10 Achievers Lessons? To get your free ebook, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Then send me a screenshot of your review to my email address, contact at ulrikaseminati.com and I will send you your ebook straight away. This was another episode of Empowering Female Leaders. What are the questions and topics in female leadership that you are interested in? Let me know in the comments on YouTube and Instagram or join our LinkedIn group. I'm excited to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for new talks with inspiring women from all around the globe. Thank you for listening.